This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Hey, good morning and welcome to The Chair. My name is Amy Bauman, and we meet here every Tuesday as a body of believers, believe it or not, all over the world. Now, if this is your first time joining us, typically this time is a teaching where we go over God's word, we unpack what he's saying, we learn what chair we're sitting in and how we can apply that to our lives. But this month is June and we're doing joy journeys, which means I'm talking uh, less about myself and my own journey. And I'm actually interviewing over the course of the month, five different women and we're talking and looking at their journeys and and where God is taking them. And if you were with us last week, you'll know that I interviewed Helen Zirup from Grant Me Hope, and we heard some amazing things about their organization and their ministry regarding adoption. And so if you didn't get a chance to watch that, you can always go back and watch it on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and you'll be able to see all the videos that I post, which are twice a week, but you could also go back um, and see it on my website, amybauman.com. So lots of ways for you to go back and catch up, maybe on some other uh, episodes that you haven't seen yet. But today, today I'm really excited about sharing with you uh, a friend of mine who I actually met two years ago. Her name is Sherry Hoppen, and she has been on an amazing journey um, getting over, moving through, Uh, succeeding in overcoming the addiction of alcohol and she's written a brand new book called Sober Cycle and we're going to be talking about that today. Now if you want to know more about Sherry and her journey you'll definitely want to buy her book. Um, You're going to want to follow her podcast and look at her website and I'm going to send you all of that information um, at the end of the show so you'll be able to, to get it all down. But she's an amazing woman Um, She's founder of She Surrenders, and you'll be able to find out more about that in the interview, which is coming up right now. So if you would please welcome with me, Sherry Hoppen. So good morning, my friend. Welcome to the chair. Thanks for having me, Amy. It is such an honor to be here. Well, I was kind of thinking back about how we first got connected, and that was really a divine appointment. we were working on putting together the Finding Joy Again conference. I was meeting up with uh, Susie and she goes, you, you got to meet this lady, Sherry Hoppin. And I'm like, okay. And, um, and it was just this thing of events where all of a sudden uh, we're meeting and, and at the Maranatha Christian Writers Conference, that was two yes. years ago, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. at the same time that my name was being dropped into your lap, um, God was like, sending little paper airplanes at me going, you got to meet Amy Bauman. So I believe that you had kind of thought about not coming to the writer's conference. I did. And then um, I think we connected or I reached out um, through our friend and um, there you were. So that's amazing. right. You were the reason I came. You were the reason I decided to come. And I'm so uh. glad that I did. And that same weekend, which is so cool you got a contract for this book, Sober Cycle, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And how cool is that? 
it was super exciting. As if you remember back to the conference, I was kind of that dazed and confused executive director for about three days because I was just floored until someone said, you need to announce that because that's why people are here, you know, and that is where I got my start. And the whole journey to Maranatha itself was definitely a God thing. And um, I'm just so grateful for it. Oh, well, I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm so glad because I know there's a lot of people out there that want to hear your story, want to hear the background. And then if they haven't yet, they're going to want to buy your book. So we're going to talk about all that today. But I really want you to, um, everybody just heard your intro. And I just want you to give a little background about how did you know, where did you get to that point where you knew that you were struggling with alcohol and, and what, what brought you to that point? Well, looking back, hindsight is probably the most valuable wake up call in addiction that there is because when you're in it, you have this conviction that you can get out of it. Like you are still stronger than that, even though it's running your life. And my demise into addiction was so slow and so gradual, as is a lot of people's. Um, by the time you realize you have a problem, it's too late. You can't go backwards, but you spend a lot of time desperately trying to go backwards and, um, with alcohol, you know, trying to moderate your drinking or, you know, setting limitations and restrictions on yourself. And it just doesn't work. And then this, it snowballs into this panic of how am I going to stop? I need to stop. I don't want to stop. And it it pretty much just drives, drives your life and it starts to define who you are. And as far as, you know, looking backwards, I was a perfect target. Um, there is addiction in my family. Okay. I spent a lot of time saying that will never happen to me. And um, that's that control thing. And yeah. it, you know, so I was a normal, what I would consider a normal drinker for many years. There was some traumatic events that happened that I talk about in the book that I look back and think, why didn't I start drinking then? Or why didn't that situation cause me, you know, to turn to alcohol, you know, to dull the pain. And I don't have an answer for that, but I do know, um, we were just talking about gardening that I think of it as, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Um, I think of it as the soil was being prepared. There was fertilizer being spread so that By the time it was for this addiction to take root, um, everything was in place for perfect growing for that because it happened, like I said, gradually, I went from a normal drinker to discovering um, in a hard situation that alcohol helped. And I think that my brain just grabbed onto that and said, yeah, that's working. So let's just do that for now. And before I knew it, you know, in a matter of, I think that if I look at the timeline, the whole addiction was probably 10 years, you know, as far as when it started and when it finally ended, but when it took hold, um, you know, and I started hiding it, people started to say things, especially my husband. And I just thought to myself, well, they don't understand. So I'll just have to hide it. And I thought I was doing what was, you know, best for me. And it was going to be temporary until it started running my life and I couldn't quit. Yeah. And I think that brings up a really good thing. It's kind of like a slow fade, right? Mm -hmm. It it starts off and then it takes, um, 
it's its own shape and form. And it's like a snowball rolling downhill, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think a lot of people just coming out of COVID, right? And I think I want to, I want to, um, land on this for just a second is so many people start like, okay, this is the way I need to cope because I'm really depressed and I'm stuck at home and I I'm afraid. So you just start with this little bit of a coping mechanism. And before you realize it, it's taken over your life. And maybe that's the seed and the fertilizer for them in Mm -hmm. that stage. And, um, which is why I love your, uh, obedience and stepping out your vulnerability to share your story with people because, for your example alone, it's a slow fade. It's, it, yes. it's not, like you said, it wasn't one traumatic thing. It was just a mm-hmm. slow fade. It was just like a, a pyramid building, but you know, with COVID, yes, addiction, especially alcohol and women, it's, it's out of control. And, you know, that's just how God works because I look back at timing. So, um, well, it'll be eight years this November that, you know, I, I took that sober surrender pledge, but the word COVID wasn't even on my radar and God's timing as to how, um, the progression of how I would eventually share my story and get to the point of a book to the point of the book was supposed to be released in October of 2019. And thank you, COVID. It was, you know, five months later. And so it just came out in April, kind of on the tail end of everybody coming out of this fog of, you know, a pandemic. And I just look at that. And at the beginning, when my book was delayed, I was like, really, I was so disappointed. But then I thought, maybe people just aren't ready for it yet. You know, so I feel like with all things, you know, in recovery, at least mine, um, it's definitely been God's timing and that, that slow fade, you know, turned into, you know, the snowball, but now I feel like the snowball is all about getting the word out there. Yeah, exactly. So we talk a lot about, um, on the chair and a lot of my teachings and preachings, just about the battle that we face against the enemy. And that the one way he does that is with lies. He tells us lies mm-hmm. all the time. And so what would you say was one of the biggest lies or a couple of the biggest lies that kept you in that, that snare of addiction that you talk about? I would say the biggest lie um, that I believed, and I believe it came straight from the evil one. Um, I knew that as a Christian, I was raised as a Christian in a Christian home, Christian school. I knew my foundational beliefs. But I started feeling like um, I wasn't good enough anymore. And everybody feels that in addiction. You know, I started feeling it as a wife and as a mother and as a friend. But most of all, I felt the most shame because I was a Christian woman. How did this happen to me? I must be terrible. It looked to the world. It would look if I told anybody, it would look like I turned my back on God. And that would do him a huge disservice. I felt like people would say, well, she's a Christian. Not really, you know, and it made me doubt everything that I knew about God, about his faithfulness and about his unconditional love. And, um, I just felt like I was in, I was in hell. Honestly, those last couple of years was pure hell. And I felt so far away from God that I couldn't imagine, um, telling anybody. And because of that shame and that guilt, 
I stayed there a lot longer than what I needed to. And the other thing was the church. Um, I didn't feel comfortable at church telling anybody or having anybody find out because to my knowledge, there was no other addicts in our church. And um, we all know that's not true. Right. But when you're in that, that is how you feel. I did not feel like I would be loved or accepted in church. So I just kept it to myself. And that shame just kept me buried. And it kept me from growing in my relationship with the Lord. But, you know, in the end, he was, he was right there just as close as he always was. Yeah, I think that brings up a really good point. I, I know there's a lot of people out there and I've and I've I've camped here a while is and, and in my own life is we put on this I'm fine shirt mm-hmm. and we walk around and we want to pretend that we're okay because we think that wow everybody else has it all together it's just me mm-hmm. I'm the only one and um I love that the only way we can really get to the point of wanting to surrender our life and admit when we have addictions and, and things is we have to surrender that side of us that says we're not fine. Did you have a moment where you did that, where you had to come to grips that you weren't fine? Is that what started it? Yes. I, you know, it happens so often, actually, those last couple of years, I was pretending to the world that I had sobered up and So now I'm really hiding and I'm lying um, even more than just about hiding alcohol. I'm lying about my life completely. Um, It's so, you know, with the, with the mask thing that we've been through, I mean, I'm sure, you know, because I know, you know, what you speak on too, and this taking off the mask and, you know, I, I feel like that mask, that very thing that everybody's been wearing for the past year. I had a full mask over my face, over my head, over, I, I, I did anything, you know, to hype. And I will tell you though, I have been just brought to my knees in gratitude a couple of times because I was sober. I don't think if I, I hate to think about where I would be if I'd gone into that pandemic still drinking and what life would look like today. But as far as that moment, I detail it pretty well in the book that last, that last, um, on my flat, on my face, living room floor, bawling my eyes out, just saying, take it, take it. I have, I'm done. And I had done that before. So I thought I did, but I knew in that moment what he was asking. And that was for me to say everything, take it all, no more bargaining, no more I'll do, I'll only drink beer, which was, you know, probably not taken very seriously because I don't even like beer, but, um, you know, just like all these perimeters I set up just to get me out of whatever situation I was in or whatever trouble I was in. So I said, you know, take it, I'll do whatever you ask. And I said the words and I, I meant them, but I think I just thought that they wouldn't be taken seriously because, <laughs> You know, it was less than two years later that I was asked to share my story at a church in Zealand, which is our little Dutch community. And I said, you know, I know I said whatever I do, but God, I would rather speak to a million people across the U.S. than 
40 women in this little town of Zealand because there's no alcoholics in Zealand. But, um, <laughs> you know, I did it and then I did it again and then I did it again. And in the meantime, my email is just filling up with me too and help me and what did you do? And, you know, and that's how, you know, kind of the ministry of She Surrenders started. And um, I started blogging, I started speaking more and I started writing. And um, that's just kind of how I just keep saying yes, you know, whatever, whatever. Yes. I just say yes, because I said that I would. Well, you kind of, um, you kind of shared now how the ministry got started, which was my next question. Um, and I, and I, you've mentioned it really briefly about women of faith, that that was something that you struggled with yourself, not wanting to admit that because you you were a Christian. And so you were thinking this shouldn't happen to me. So, so why is your target audience women of faith? Um, why do you feel so passionately about that? Um, I guess, elaborate on what you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I, I always like to say that um, I don't want, I would never exclude anybody from looking for, you know, help with their addiction, but my target is women of faith. And most women that come, you know, to me already have Jesus in their life, but they felt, feel the same way I did, you know, abandoned or not good enough. Because I think as addicts, we carry a lot of guilt and shame already, but you add Christian to that and it's doubled and something like that. If it's, you know, already been multiplied, I think it's twice as hard to, to get out of it because people are going to know. And they're going to question your relationship, you know, with the Lord. And to me, that's probably one of the most um, tender things, you know, to attack in someone's life, but also the church, you know, I, you know, I mentioned that about um, being so ashamed and, you know, wondering what would this be like if the church, you know, had come to me because people did know, I don't blame them for not coming and saying, you know, are you okay? Can I bring you a casserole, you know, or whatever? I don't expect that. Yeah. But I did feel like nobody knew what to say. Nobody knew what to ask. And my family could have really used Christian love and support. We were ashamed to ask, or at least I was, my husband too. You know, we kept it between us. And I think about the difference if, you know, we would have been surrounded with that. But it's kind of a, it's a hard line, you know, and the minister can talk about it till he's blue in the face, but until we own up to it as, as people and the church as one, um, nothing's going to change, you know? So I just felt like the biggest thing was, is women of faith have this extra guilt that weighs them down. And we also work harder at performance. Um, I would definitely be, when I heard the definition of high functioning alcoholic, I was like, oh, that's me. Definitely. You know, and we, we are so good at faking it and we just have to be honest and open. And I will say that I just talked about this recently with someone, um, that this younger generation, um, millennials, they are more open about it and they're as open as they are about, you know, mommy juice and wine o'clock, they're also um, very open at times about their, you know, addiction. I um, did a book signing recently 
And every woman that leaned over and said, we signed my book. She was, you know, that was under 40 say, said, you know what? I've got three months sober or I sobered up during the pandemic. And I, I'm like one, I, I mean, there was like at least 10 of them. And I was in awe of that because I wouldn't have dared do that. So I do applaud that generation and I hope they keep, you know, talking, but you know, it's just that my generation, I wanted the church to be that safe place and that's all I knew. And I, I couldn't get it there. I couldn't get it there. And that a lot of that was created by me, those thoughts and those feelings and building that wall. But I just think that the education part of it needs to be there that, you know, a lot of churches, it's okay not to be okay. And it is, you can come to church broken and you can come to church and ask for help. Absolutely. I, and I do agree with that. I do think that, um, and I, let me finish that thought. I do think that the church needs to um, readjust the focus um, and the way they look at addictions and not all churches, some churches have a, have a good handle on it, but readjust that so that there is more um, people feel the understanding or feel the connection or feel like they can go to other people because we're all broken and to be able mm -hmm. to share um, mm -hmm. because the church is changing. And as outside unbelievers, they seem to look at us and peg us that we're pious and that um, we you know, are better than they are when actually there are so many broken people in a church, you know, we're all sinners yeah. just trying to get saved. Um, yeah. So we, we really need to change. I think our, the way we look at it and the way we present ourselves mm -hmm. and that takes education and that takes someone like you stepping out and um, being vulnerable. And um, I love your target audience. I think that that's, um, that that's great. So Tell people, what does your life in recovery look like today? Besides all the ways that you're helping other people, how do you, how do you navigate today? Well, <laughs> driven. That's pretty much, you know, would be the best way to describe me. I, I often say that I, I am so sorry about what happened, what I did to my family, what I did to my friends, what I did to my life um, with alcohol but it's what needed to happen. I don't like to think about the woman that I would be had I not gone through that. I think I'd be um, pretty shallow, pretty self-centered, focused on the things of this earth that just don't matter. And because of that, I feel like, you know, I'm not a different kind of Christian because I'm an alcoholic, but I am a different kind of alcoholic because I am a Christian and God's given me an assignment. And one that I very, very begrudgingly accepted, but now it's my life and um, my family and this ministry, because I don't want anyone to ever stay in the dark as long as what I was. And um, since the book came out, I can't keep up with how many women I'm hearing from and um what life looks like today with that is um, a couple of years ago, I started a um, secret Facebook group called Joyful Surrender. And it is for women of faith struggling or in recovery. And in that group, I um, have like four or five 
core strength women, I call them that have been in recovery a while and, and they're helping me, you know, minister to these other women and, and get them to a new place. And that has just been, I'm like, God, thank you. Because that's what I wanted. I used to just cry and say, where are my people? Where are these women? I can go to a lot of 12 step meetings and never hear, you know, God's name, or it's a lot of men, or, you know, you can talk about, you know, your higher power. Those are all great programs. I always am a huge advocate of do whatever gets you there to get sober. But I wanted to find women that love the Lord and were drinking in their closet. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, what I want to do is, is be able to open up, um, and I'm going to share it at the end, but I'd like to just have you take a minute and open up some resources for people who, how can they, what can they do? What would be the steps for them to like, get involved with your ministry, to reach out to you, share just a little bit about that. So the first thing that I would do, um, if I think of the woman that might be listening, you know, to this and saying, that's me because that's really what it is. And that makes them go, whatever she did, I want to find out how she did it. And I don't have a magic answer. Um, I spent a lot of time searching for that magic answer. I listened to everything I could get my hands on and I read everything, but at the end of the day, I knew what had to happen. I had to give up. I had to surrender. So that is why, you know, my ministry is she surrenders. And I would say go to she surrenders.com. You can um, sign up for everything that I send out, everything I do. I have a newsletter, I have a blog, but I also have resources. And um, I post a lot of things there. And in that, if you want to take it a step further, I encourage women to, you know, reach out to me through the website and let's talk about getting you into the recovery group, Joyful Surrender, which, I mean, I have women in there from one from Australia, California, you know, New York, Chicago, all over the place. And our dream is to meet in person someday. And, um, I did an event last week at Journey of Hope Yoga in Holland and two of the women from my group came there that we'd only been able to meet. They came on, you know, during the pandemic. So it's all been zoom and to meet them in person Mm. was probably the greatest full circle moment I've ever had, you know, and I, you know, that's what I used to cry out to God, where are my people? And I think that, um, God was, I'm sorry. I don't know what just happened. Um, (laughs) um, I feel like God was saying, you're going to have to find them. You're going to have to find them, Sherry. And if you want it, you're going to have to reach out. And that's exactly what I did. So she surrenders is not just a website just for you to go look at. It's for you to get the help you need and to get involved. I also post a lot on she surrenders on Facebook and, um, on Instagram, you know, you put in, she surrenders and they're they're both going to come up. And I just try and post encouragement there, Sure. but the real love and the real work and the real support, I think comes from getting involved with the actual group. Awesome. And I'm going to make sure that I post all that at the very end so that people can see your website and how to get in touch with you. But one, I want to end with this. We always, um, on this 
teaching and, and, uh, and the things that I do want to point people to God's word. That's our true north. That is where we can find how to navigate in this broken world. And so what is maybe your favorite scripture that you stand on that, that has helped you in this journey? It is definitely Ephesians three, verse 20. Um, and I sign every book, not with the whole verse, but just Ephesians three twenty, encouraging people to look it up. Okay. And it's now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that it's working us because that's my life first. This, my life today is more than I could have ever asked or imagined for, because one thing that's tied to that verse that I always think of is, yes, you quit drinking and you wonder how you're going to get through every circumstance in life. And it's hard because you've done nothing but numb. And this is your coping skill. And you're going to learn that, yes, those things hurt, but they hurt everybody. You don't get to have a pass by taking a drink. So that's kind of the attitude that I had going into it. But what nobody told me was, yes, the hurt things, they're going to hurt. But the joy, the happy moments, the joy is going to be bigger than you ever ask or imagine. Because when you are stuck in addiction, that joy is, there's like a, a cloud over it, a buffer. You don't feel genuine joy. And in recovery, that joy, when those little moments in life or big moments that bring you joy, you feel them. And it brings me to my knees. It just brings me to tears because I never, I didn't know that was going to be such a perk and it's a wonderful, beautiful perk. And that's the hope and the vision that I want to give. Amen. Amen. You got me a little there, girl. Um, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just so, I'm, I'm so honored to know you. I'm so excited for everything that God is doing in your life. And I, I love his timing. And I just, I'm so grateful that I got to, to know you and, um, I'm so excited for everything that is happening. And I just pray, I'd like to pray over you before we close, mm-hmm. please, that God will just continue to bless you and equip you for this journey. So father God, I thank you for Sherry. I thank you for this beautiful woman inside and out and how you are working and moving in her life. And I thank you for her obedience uh, as she said, she begrudgingly said yes, um, but but she was still saying yes, Lord, and she still is saying yes today, stepping out into everything that you are asking her to do, every vulnerable moment, and um, all the people that, that she is helping um, because of saying yes, and we thank you for that, and I just pray over her ministry, I just pray that you will continue to bring people to her, that that they will surrender their lives and overcome the addiction and, um, and make a way and that, and that you will get all the glory Lord, uh, because of you. So I, I thank you for her life and I love her and I uh, just thank you Lord for what you're doing. And we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend. It's oh. just, I love to see how God keeps intertwining our lives and, um, offer his glory. I love what you do too. So thank you. And thanks again for being here. I'm going to make sure I post all of your information at the end. So just thank you for your time. Love you. Uh, Thank you. Love you too, girl. Keep going. Okay. See ya. Wow. I'm just, I'm so grateful for Sherry and her willingness 
to come on the show, but also for her obedience and stepping out and sharing her story and being vulnerable in, in writing uh, a book filled with vulnerabilities to be able to help other people. And we talked a little bit about this at the end of last week's interview with Helen Zirup about stepping out uh, and, and just being obedient and that the Lord will do the rest. And if he calls you, he will equip you. And so here's another example, another representation of just that, that, and she even said so, right? She's like, eh, Lord, okay. Um, you know, but it's a, it's a really scary thing. And those are all natural human feelings, but she still did it. She still stepped out in faith and look at how God is blessing her. And because of her journey and her story, how he is blessing other people and helping them, um, get to know him better and overcome their addictions and their struggles and so that they can have joy. And that's what this month is all about. And so I'm just grateful for, for Sherry being here today. Thank you so much. I am putting up her information right now. If you would like to know more about She Surrenders, uh, Sherry's podcast, to buy her new book, you can get all of it right here. And um, I just pray that this also brought into light the, the possibilities, the, the thoughts that addiction can happen to anyone. It's not just to the people that are broken. It's not just to the people that have struggles. It's, it's to people that believe in Jesus. It's to people that, um, you know, believe that they have a firm foundation in the Lord. None of us are, are not affected by the enemy. None of us are exempt. All of us can be attacked. All of us can be distracted and detoured and taken off the path. But there's one common denominator amongst all of those things, and that's that we need Jesus. No matter what chair we're sitting in, he has to be um, what we're living for, who is going to help us, who is going to help us overcome while we live in this broken world. And so it doesn't matter what you're going through right now, whether that's addiction or depression or a marriage struggle or a health issue, um, you need Jesus. He's, he's the one. He's the one that's going to do it for you. So um, thanks again for Sherry uh, to be here on the show today. And I would just like to pray over all of us before we go. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this series. I thank you for these women who have agreed to, to be a part of um, our month of June and just their stories. And I, I thank you and praise you for how you've orchestrated all of this. And I just pray that you will multiply, um, you will grow seeds that are being planted, that you will just work in supernatural ways um, ways that we can't even see, Lord. And we just praise you and thank you for what you are going to do. And I just pray for each person listening right now, Lord, each person watching, that you will bless them and that they will have peace and joy and love. And we just thank you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget, next week, Becky Steiner will be with me. She is the, the author of the brand new book, River of Possibilities. We're going to hear about her story and her passion for writing for children. You're not going to want to miss it. But until next time, 
until we can be together again. Be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.